It's Adasha Townsend of the Feast and Fashion Podcast. I'm a veteran food and beverage journalist who's worked with some of the most notable media outlets in the world. Feast and Fashion is an intersection of food and fashion, one beautiful plate or glass at a time. With each episode, I will introduce you to fascinating, fabulous people in the culinary industry. Today, Kevin Tyler joins me. He blogs at Full Belly Blogger where he expertly chronicles his favorite food and beverage personalities across the country. So by day, he is a higher education professional in Los Angeles. But on his own time, he is a food, wine, and booze storyteller. Welcome to Feasts and Fashion, Kevin. Thank you for having me. Um, I was, I've been looking forward to this uh, for a long time, so thanks for having me. Me too. I followed you on Instagram for a while, and I know you followed me. We've shared some laughs. So <laughs> to see each other in person, to check each other out, and just like really chat, I'm so excited about this conversation, man. I am too. I can't. I cannot wait to dig in. This is going to be a whole lot of things. I, I already can tell. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So I want to talk to you first about how you got into the food space, how you became a food and drink enthusiast. Sure. Uh, it's a couple of different stories, right? So in terms of wine, a few years ago, my dad ended up getting sick, uh, diagnosed with cancer. And I quit my job and to because I had a a job that I had a job that had a lot of travel in it. And so I quit that so I could be home to help him. Um, and when I wasn't caretaking, I would go to this little wine shop in Columbus, where I'm from, uh, called the Twisted Vine, Columbus, Ohio. See, listen, so Columbus should not need a last name. Columbus is just so great. <laughs> what are you talking about? It's not like it's Chicago. <laughs> uh, I mean, you're right, but... <laughs> I'm just okay. messing with you, Kevin. <laughs> So uh, back home, there's this little wine shop called The Twisted Vine. I have to give them some love on this podcast because they are so they are responsible single-handedly for my uh, passion up for wine. And so I would hang out there. They would let me borrow books and talk to me about the wines I was drinking. And all of a sudden, I was hooked. I don't know what happened. I don't know why. I don't know if it was a certain bottle. But all of a sudden, the information started clicking in my brain. And it was about how many things wine touches, right? Like I love the idea that wine is not just about what's in the bottle, but it's a representation or a reflection of what happened in that year, right? It's climate, it's geography, it's politics, it's soil, it is what the sun was doing. It, was, it's, it is a combination of so many factors and the fact that that bottle of wine will not taste like that ever again. It will continue to evolve based on the factors that influence the way the, the grapes are grown and what the winemaker does in the, in the winery, et cetera. So it's just a very interesting item to me. And there are so many things to learn from it that you I wouldn't learn otherwise. And so the wine story is, that's the wine story. But then the food story is, my partner and I love to travel all over the world as often as we can. And he is more of a um, tourist attraction kind of kind of a person, which I love because there's lots of energy to be had and found in places like that. But I make a beeline to restaurants and I remember our trips based on the food that we ate. Those are my bookmarks for um, excellent experiences. And so I talk about things. I am very easily excitable. I do not deny that. I <laughs> get very amped about a lot of things all at once and I get overwhelmed. I just, I love 
nuance and stories and details, et cetera. And all of those things can be found in food across the world. And um, I would talk about food the way that I do. And he would say, you, just, you should just start a blog. And I was like, I can't start a blog. I, don't, I didn't go to any sort of chef school. I don't cook. I just, I just like this. He's like, but you're a storyteller. And I was like, yeah. well, that's true. Okay, I'll give it a shot. And so I just started writing. And I found that in, I started this um, kind of around the time when it was before COVID, but the events around brown and black people and cops were happening quite often. And, and this blog, Full Belly Blogger, was a way for me to participate in social media without having to absorb the things that were going on in the world oh. uh, at the time. And so I was able to curate or craft an, an environment that felt safe for me, that I wouldn't have to, uh, that wouldn't give me stress or whatever else. And I could talk about the things that I loved the most. Um, and so that's kind of the food story. And so taking those things and putting them together into the Full Belly Blogger, which is, you know, just a super fun hobby that I have on the side allows me to express myself in ways I can at work and allows me to talk yeah. about things that I really, really love. And I think people who know me get surprised by the way that I think about things and write about things because I keep that part um, kind of to myself until now, essentially. And you have a lot to say. I've seen you express <laughs> yourself so eloquently on social media about you know who you think is hot, who you think is really doing things um, in the industry, who's making an impact. You've got opinions. So let's talk about some of those opinions. Like talk about some of your favorite books that you've read that are culinary folks. Mm. Oh my gosh. So right now I'm reading um, Barbara Lynch's book called Out of Line. It was recommended to me by Kristen Kish, who was on Top Chef, and she's just great. We went, my partner and I went to go uh, fly down to Austin to eat at her restaurant, Arlo Gray, which was absolutely fantastic. And so last year, I kind of put out on Instagram, what books do I need to be reading about that are chef-inspired or written? Uh, and she uh, recommended that, and I'm reading it now. I'm almost done, and I've had to... I've had to ration myself. It's one chapter a day because otherwise I read it all at once. And who wants to, I mean, I want to savor books, right? They're like, they're supposed to last as long as you can make them last. Name this book so I can get it. It's called Out of Line by Barbara okay. Lynch. Um, and she's a chef uh, out of Boston, super iconic, and is uh, Kristen Kish's mentor. And just it's a really great story of where she grew up and how she got to where she is. And it's not a traditional story, but I, I hate the word traditional anyway. So it's like it's her story. Um, and I think it's uh, absolutely fascinating. Most recently, I've written, written, I've re read uh, Kwame's book, Chef Kwame's book. So notes uh, from a young black chef. Yes. Absolutely beautiful. I love that book. And I'm so glad it's being made into a movie. And then- What do you think um, about, I'm sorry, but what do you think about yeah. what is the guy's name who was on Get Out and Judas and the Black um uh, Oh yeah. Um, what, uh, I can see Lakeith. his face. Lakeith, Lakeith Stansfield. What do you mm -hmm. think of him play, uh, playing him? Oh, I think it's I think it's great. I think it's about energy, and I think um, Chef Kwame, though I don't know him personally at all, but I just see him on television and kind of the energy that he exudes. I feel like the Keith Stanfield Stansfield has that same kind of energy. It's just kind of like still waters run deep kind of thing. It's just like mm -hmm. there's something about both of those people that there's like a vibe, an energy that like radiates from them that's super low key, but they're thinking about things that are strategic and thought provoking all the time. And I love that kind of like hidden action under the surface kind of uh, energy. So I think I think that's going to be a great story. And I'm glad that it's going to be made into a movie because not everyone loves to read like I do. I understand that. But movies are a great way to introduce a lot of people to a thing all at once because um, books are 
can be hard for people about accessibility and whatever else. And so um, I think that's going to be great. One book that I... You were talking about Kwame's book and I excitedly interrupted you. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. What are your thoughts fine. on the book? I thought it was beautiful. I love I love stories about... Um, I specifically love stories about Black and brown people who come from places that not a lot of people might be familiar with or can relate to and become super well known and famous and they carry that background with them. I think that is such an important piece of fame is like staying true to where you came from and there's no like apologies or regrets or trying to forget it or anything. I think that there there is great value in lots of different kinds of black people being famous, right? I love that Cardi B is famous. And I love that she remains who she is throughout her your, her fame, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I love the analogy that there was a, an article I read a couple of years ago that you know Cardi B is the Dolly Parton of rap. And I totally sign on to that because Dolly Parton um, was her own kind of entertainer and she brought her lineage and history and family everything to uh brought that to america and there were some questions about i'm not sure if you've heard of the podcast dolly parton's america but i could talk about this all day long it is a fantastic podcast just about dolly parton and there's a there's a chapter in that podcast about is she exploiting the apple like the appellation kind of uh caricature Uh or is she bringing that culture into the mainstream and i think that's a very very interesting conversation to have and i think that's what cardi b does for lots of people who have different backgrounds than i have and whatever else and so being introduced to people who are famous who just who weren't kids of actors and what whatever just you know start from the bottom now we're here kind of thing right like i love that those stories and they are valuable and they deserve attention. And no matter where anyone comes from, they deserve all the success that they can build for themselves or whatever else. And so Kwame's book is that he, there's this narrative of his childhood and the things that he was exposed to and the, and the other things that he got into and um, to fall into something as quote unquote fine or refined as, as, you know, high cuisine and dining you don't see a lot of black people coming from the projects or, or poor neighborhoods or low income neighborhoods doing that. Or Absolutely. like, those are the th- stories that we need, like to me that I need for myself to inspire myself and that other people should just know about. Like not every chef needs to go the same path. There's not, there's the, the value just kind of deteriorated from that. I, I know I get that there is a curriculum or whatever else you have to learn these things, but what we bring from our backgrounds to every experience should inform what we're what we're interacting with, and I think that's really important. And the fact that Chef Kwame has stayed so authentically true to himself, and even like his fashion is so dope. Like I just I think he's wonderful. I think he's so wonderful. And this is just based on the books I've read and the, the interviews I've seen, whatever else. I mean, I don't know him personally, so uh, but he seems like a, a good person, and uh, I think that he deserves um, all his flowers. One book I truly loved, and I read this a few months ago, I suppose, maybe over holidays, maybe, was Black, White, and the Gray by mm-hmm. Mashama Bailey and her um, uh, partner, restaurant partner, John Morsano. Mm-hmm. And this is a story about um, a restaurant in Savannah, Georgia, uh, called The Gray, uh, that John Morisano identified the building and was going to rehab it and, you know, open this restaurant, but he needed a chef. And, he, and the book is about his passion for this opening this restaurant and his trajectory towards that project and then the search for a chef in the south and all the things that come with that kind of selection and so 
he, you know, how he decided to want to find a black chef to cook in the South and what that might mean for the restaurant and what the perception might, might be for, for folks who come to visit. But also it's like this story about like what these two people, John Morsano's a white Italian man and Mashama Bailey is a black woman chef and how you like the collision course of those two existences and the invention of a project that's going to change like, you know, food in Savannah. The restaurant adds is like another character in the book uh, because it was a it's an abandoned Greyhound station that was segregated uh, mm-hmm. from from civil rights era. And so that all what all that baggage that brings to a project and having a black woman as the executive chef and you know every single page is just like this there's this tension around like there's race, there's food, there's relationships, there's introspection and reflection. And gender and in gender, yes, it is just a gorgeous, gorgeous story. And it was so beautiful, in fact, that I finished it and I wrote them both thank you notes. I had to, like, I had to mail them something to show my appreciation to strangers. I, I don't know them from anyone else. It is such a beautiful story about the development of a friendship, but so much more than that mm-hmm. as well. It is fascinating. It's absolutely beautiful. Did you uh, whip up any of the recipes from the book? Here's the thing that um, uh, you should know about me. Uh (laughs) Is that I will read a recipe any day, but the likelihood of me actually doing the recipe is pretty, pretty slim. I just, I, when I was in college, I wanted, I, I majored in, my first major was education. I was going to be a teacher. I realized when I got into my education classes that I don't have the same passion for teaching that my counterparts in that class did. And so I didn't want to take a spot at this at the front of a classroom from someone who was really, really into teaching. I, I feel similarly about cooking. I love the stories that people tell. I love how people, how things, I love watching, but I, I love that. I love that someone else is cooking it because the passion that they have is being shown on the plate. And I, if I'm just trying to do it, it's the, you see the effort. It's not as, smooth i guess or precise so i don't cook from like books that i read like narratives that i read as often now i do do cocktail recipes because i do i do enjoy that but cooking recipe like cooking food to me is such a personal and intimate thing and i appreciate that they share these recipes in their books but i love it more because the recipe is attached to the story Mm -hmm. that precedes it and that story makes the makes that that reading that recipe so meaningful. Where I, if I were to replicate that in my kitchen, the feeling is gone. Kind of if that makes sense. I, I totally understand you, but um, sometimes those recipes, you know, it, it makes you, it's a challenge. Some of those recipes are challenging. Challenging meaning fun. You go get all those ingredients. You put everything together. You mark out time. You have mm-hmm. a cocktail too. You can get your old fashioned or whatever. <laughs> and you mark out time. You have your ingredients there. You follow direction, put on your favorite music. And then Turned you start up. doing what they tell you to do. You never know. Try it again. Try it again, Kevin, and see what you I want. will. Okay. I'll let you know what happens. That's how I've really gotten into cooking. I've always cooked, but uh, over the pandemic, you know, um, I got sick of watching television sometimes. I started cooking. I started looking mm-hmm. at cookbooks that I've gathered, collected throughout the years, and I started having fun. 
So, yeah. you know, don't rush through it. Just think of it as, you know, this is an activity, it's an experience. You're really getting to know why that person chose those ingredients or what have you. And like you said, they tell these beautiful stories behind beautiful. Um, behind these um, recipes. Now, speaking of recipes, like talk about a couple of your favorite cocktail books. You have any of those? Well, uh, I do. Let's see. The Flavor Bible is one. It's not oh. exactly a cocktail recipe book, but it talks about like flavor relationships that I think is super fascinating. And so things that you might not think about, like nuts with a berry or um, the citrus with this kind of savory, uh, it's just kind of like a an explanation of how flavors relate to each other. And I think that's really interesting. My friend has a book, um, his name is Jesse Hubbard, who I just adore. Um, and he has a book called Punk Rock and Cocktails. And it's just about, um, you know, rock bands, which he is a huge fan of, uh, and some cocktails that inspired, that he made, that uh, were inspired by the bands that he follows. And I think, oh. I love creativity like that. I don't understand how people can craft cocktails or food or put together things in the way that people who do it for a living do. I am just completely and utterly taken by it. Um, so he think, does things like graham cracker uh, infused uh, simple syrups and like these bacon washed bourbon. It is oh. beyond and it's just so seductive and just reading the article or the um, stories inside and how they inspire the cocktail. It just makes perfect, perfect sense. I love reading that kind of stuff. I love it. I love, I think I love reading about inspiration. I think that's what it is. That's what it sounds like. Speaking of inspiration, yeah. you completely inspired me when you created this list of uh, black men who were into it, inspired you and they inspired me because a lot of them I had never heard about. You put them on your social media channel and it was a long list of all these guys. And it's just, it's like, it's like you woke up one day and was like, I'm going to write about all these guys. Talk about the thought process in doing this and bringing all these amazing um, culinary creatives to our attention. Sure. So periodically on my Instagram uh, page, I do what I've called full, full belly blackness. Um, there have been three so far. The first one was in like the height of summer last year, which obviously everyone knows what was going on then. Um, but uh, in 2020, uh, with race and uh, cops and George Floyd and all the other people. So when something is happening in the world um, that is connected to people who look like me, I am inspired to write something about it. It just, I don't know why it just happens that way. And so the first two uh, full belly blackness posts were, uh, the first one was about just black creators in the space. I was relatively new, I am still relatively new to the Instagram space in this in this regard, but it was just people I just kind of enjoyed following and, and they I enjoyed their content. The second uh, full belly blackness piece was um, when uh, Kamala Harris was inaugurated, um, but it was also following the January 6th uh, insurrection, et cetera. And so um, I was just so taken by the parade of melanin that was going across that screen, Amanda Gorman and Kamala Harris and the fire chief who signed uh, the Pledge of Allegiance, I think it was. Um, and so I posted about 10 black women creators that I just kind of enjoy uh, following, um, bartenders, wine professionals, chefs, whatever else. And then this most recent one was about black men because that is something as a black man, I don't, I don't know that those stories get out as often as I, I would have liked or that I hope to see. And so I had this, I had this, uh, experience, uh, near where I work in LA and, uh, 
it's just like as soon as it happened, the instance that it happened, I was like, I'm this this deserves a post. And I was getting lunch in this little neighborhood near where I work and um, looking for a place to, to eat. And this woman and it's white Mercedes, uh, the white lady, white Mercedes locked her door as I approached. And we're in L.A. and L.A. is one of the most diverse cities in the, in the world. Um, and I just felt it's it was such a heavy sound. It was just like it was all I heard for a split second. And like I guess I got wrapped up in that experience. And I started to think about all the other people who in the in the country or in the world or whatever who was having who might have may have been having that same experience at the exact same time. If it's a familiar sound, it's a familiar experience for black men because we are seen to be dangerous and scary and intimidating, et cetera. But I know lots of black men who are not that. And so I wanted to lift those people up who I've had either a connection, a conversation admiration for and so that's why i wrote that i um i got a lot of great feedback from that all those posts because i think it's the just the way that i write about a thing makes it feel a bit more immediate for people um just because it's like it's, it's more story based and you didn't just focus on wine professionals because i, I know that's your real passion you did not just concentrate on cocktail makers or chefs it was like all the people in the culinary space. Can you like talk about some of a few of those people and why you selected them? Sure. So um, there's a guy actually. I'm I'm I think I'm gonna meet him for a glass of wine later on today. Uh, his um, at is Poppy Petnat, and he's just a, a a wine enthusiast like I am. I featured him in my first Full Belly Blackness post last year, and he's just got this kind energy that I. Um, He's just super curious, very nice, generous with his time. Uh, we've we've traded DMs, just like, just hey, how are you doing? He checks in. Are you doing well? It's he's just a nice person. And there are people who, I just want to lift up nice people. He's great at at wine, of course, but he's a, a nice person first. There is Rosetta Stone, who I think is uh, remarkable. Lawrence Dunlap. And these aren't people with like huge followings. It doesn't matter. It like they're That's what just... I really liked about it because it wasn't like when you did this uh, post, it wasn't like there were the Kwame's of the world or Marcus Samuelson. These were people that people weren't familiar with. I saw a bunch of names. And I'm like, who are these people? And I started clicking on all the names and it just opened a whole new world for me. And I started contacting some of these guys because I'm like, oh, I'd love to talk to you and you and you because these guys, and they had such immense style and we haven't even yeah. gotten to the fashion. Girl. So yes. talk about the like, so most of them fierce. I mean, the fashions, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. It's absurd. All of it is absurd. But I, I, I thank you. First of all, thank you for saying that, and thank you for reaching out to them and connecting with them, because that—that's what that is all about. Mm -hmm. I think it's important. There's enough room on Instagram and in the world and wine and food, whatever. There's enough room for success for everybody. Like, there's no reason why people cannot access success just for any reason. And so, um, my goal is not to share people to get me followers. I'm trying to share people who I think are doing really cool things. I wanna, mm -hmm. like, people liked being noticed. And, and if they're out in the world doing some things and, you know, every now and then it's nice to like, send a DM and say, you do great stuff. I just want you to know, I don't have any sort of agenda. I love what you're doing. I just wanted you to know. That means a lot to people, no matter who you are. Um, so, these, this isn't a post that I plan and say, is it okay to, and blah, blah, blah. I just write it. And as it comes out, I know who I want to focus on. I make the list and all their ads and I write. 
And it is not about anything but lifting up other people because it's like, that's what I need in my life right now is I need to be lifted up and I want to be lifting up other people because we're all like in this boat together. Um, So why not do it? Um, So I hope that people like it. Uh, It seems like people do and I'll continue doing it uh, because it's important to me. Now, in your full-time job, you are in higher education. And mm-hmm. I want to talk about how that has impacted the culinary world for you. How are those two things meshing? I actually don't know if they mesh together, but what I do think is that um, the way that I express myself on my food, wine, and book space, the creativity that, I, that I'm able to drum up and uh, improve and refine informs my creative work at work. So I work at UCLA, I'm the director of communications at uh, the School of Nursing. And I also uh, am on the strategic communications team as well. And so I just do all the social and press releases and speeches and magazines and websites. I do all of that stuff at work. And so that is a creative drain, right? So it takes a lot of creativity out of me. But then I get to build that back up with all the books that I read and the things that I look at and the music that I listen to and the drinks that I make and the people that I talk to like you, um, that all kind of fills the creativity bank back up. And so I'm able to borrow kinds of things from my, from the two sides of my personality, um, my creative like writing side that's done that I do personally um, can sometimes inform my, my work work. But in terms of higher ed, uh, I accidentally fell in love with higher ed when I was at a, a small agency back in Columbus, where I'm from, Columbus, Ohio. Uh, <laughs> I worked at a small agency called Ology, which is a marketing and branding agency. Uh, and we focused on higher ed brands. And my role there was as insights director. And I just read and researched and wrote uh, about trends in higher ed and what was coming down the line and how schools can prepare for for these uh, shifting demographics and demographic cliffs and application things, whatever. Uh, And I ended up falling in love with higher ed. And I think that what I'm doing now is going to be a really nice uh, complement to uh, the macro view that I had about uh, on the industry, mm-hmm. um, having a, a micro on the ground kind of perspective uh, at an institution is really going to uh, help fill up my tool belt, I guess, when it comes to higher ed. Because I love higher ed conversations. I'm going to uh, be the host of this podcast coming up called Higher Voltage about higher ed marketing, which I'm very, very excited about. It's How just a podcast. Okay, so um, it is a podcast that uh, is hosted. Uh, or facilitated or produced by eCity Interactive, um, which is a, an agency in, on the East Coast. And a friend of mine, Heather Dotchel, uh, was the former host and she got a new job uh, that would not uh, allow her to continue. So a couple of weeks ago, I was asked to be the host of a podcast and I was very flattered. Right, because all I like, I write about higher ed. I run my mouth on Twitter about higher ed. Um, I do have opinions, like you said, about a lot of things, and I share those because what good is an opinion if you don't share? And to end this conversation, because I've had a really great conversation with you, Kevin, talk about your sense of style. <laughs> oh, girl, my partner and I were just talking about this yesterday. So my parents were involved in government. So my dad was always wore a suit and tie to work. He was like in governor's cabinets in Ohio. My mom worked for the state and she was like a top HR person. And so she was very, very professionally dressed all the time, professionally in quotes, because that can look like anything. My sister is very, very politically correct and very like, 
she loves big chunky jewelry and is very fashionable. And I am more of a casual creative, I guess. Like I put on what I feel will be make me the most productive or how I'm feeling that day, right? So um, I do not own any ties. I don't like ties at all. I will not, I've, the last time I wore a tie was for my dad's funeral. And um, that's the, like, that's the threshold. It's either a wedding or a funeral, even a wedding is kind of a stretch. Um, I only have like a pair of dress pants and a vest. I, I just don't like getting dressed up. It's not me. I feel like I'm lying when I'm dressed up. Um, I, I like to express myself in, in different kinds of ways, different patterns, colors, textures. Um, I love bracelets. I usually usually have a whole stack of bracelets on my arm. I love tattoos um, covered in them. Uh, my partner and I get tattoos as souvenirs from our travels instead of like bringing home a bunch of stuff. Um, so um, I, I just that. like, I like, I like creative, classy stuff. And I've worked very hard. And we were talking about this part last night and in my twenties, I think it's easy for people in their early in, in our careers to kind of play the game and dress the part. Um, I worked very, very hard to kind of not do that because I didn't want to do it. And I wanted to be myself in every uh, instance that I could be. And I think the value or benefit of that is that now in my 40s, the way that I express myself and show up into a room is so deeply rooted that you can't really question it. Like, I don't think that wearing a tie is a sign of respect or intellect, or I know a lot of people who wear ties who are not very smart. And so why does uh, <laughs> why does the way that I dress um, indicate, you know, that how much brain power I have? It doesn't. And so one of the things that I love doing so much, and this is one of the, my favorite things that, that I used to do at my old job is, you know, meeting with a college president, there are a certain set of expectations, but at, at an agency, some of those expectations are much more lax. And so I'd walk in dressed the way that I would dress, um, and oftentimes you would see college presidents be just kind of so blown back by what I knew. And it was, it was like, oh my gosh, you know so many things about higher ed. And it's almost like, but I didn't think you would because of the way you dress. And I don't, and that oh, is the surprise that I love to deliver. And, um, I'm not, I'm not here to say that I'm wearing sweatpants and, you know, flip-flops to things. I mean, things, everything has a button and shoes are tied and whatever else, but, I just don't subscribe to the idea that wearing a suit makes you smarter or more promotable or whatever else. And if I end up at a place where it's like, well, you can't advance here because you don't wear suits, then I don't want to advance there anyway. Mm, I hear you. I don't like being told what to wear either. So it is, like I said, as creatives, you want, you start, the creativity starts with what? What you put on your body, right? <laughs> exactly right. Like inspiration comes from anywhere and creativity comes from anywhere. And if I'm feeling a certain way, I want to, I want to feel that you know, one of my, I think one of the best explanations or descriptions is what people said about Rihanna and her uh, Savage Venti show. And it was just about, she's got so many different looks and it's just about how she dresses though, based on how she feels. If I'm not feeling like wearing a sweatshirt and jeans and I feel like wearing, you know, a cowboy hat and some shorts, I'm going to wear a cowboy hat and some shorts. We all have so many different sides of ourselves. Why just look like one thing in the world all the time? That just doesn't, doesn't, we should expect more for ourselves and from ourselves because that does not honor the nooks and crannies of our personalities. And those are the places where the best material lives and then the, and then the nooks and crannies. So I just, uh, I try really hard to, I don't try hard to be different. I just try hard to be myself, which ends up being different. Thank you so much, Kevin, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. 
having you and you know you're welcome back anytime you are going to do a live for me one day so i will email you a whole form and everything and we'll get that scheduled well that does it for this episode i want to thank my guest kevin tyler again for joining me we're back here next friday with another outstanding talented and of course stylish culinary personality you don't want to miss Thank you so much for listening to Feast and Fashion on the Eat, Drink, Dine podcast network. I'm your host, Adasha Townsend. Meet me back here next Friday.